Welcome to my Campaign Shop Independent Summer 2021 special podcast series. We have so many exciting things planned, but I thought one of the best ways to spread the message of supporting small businesses is right here on my podcast. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down. Where we're going, you won't need to bring your frown. A huge thanks to Dell Technologies, NatWest and Royal Mail, all our small business supporters, for joining us to bring Campaign Shop Independent to life this summer. They truly believe in the colour, creativity and magic that small businesses bring to the UK. And so join forces to support this community and encourage everyone to understand the impact of voting with their money. So for the next four weeks, as part of the campaign, I will be bringing you inspiration from the UK's most exciting independent small businesses and asking them what it means to them when you support small. First up, we have one of my most favourite small businesses who I've never actually had the pleasure of meeting before, Chupi. Chupi Sweetman is the sparkly female founder behind her jewellery brand, paving the way for modern engagement and heirloom jewellery, inspiring female founders everywhere. Her Instagram is eye candy for the most discerning of magpies like myself. You just have to check out her Instagram feed of sequins, diamonds and ring stacking. And it had me at hello. Based in Dublin, her flagship store has recently reopened after being shut due to the pandemic, but business has been thriving after going digital. And so I just can't wait to chat to her and hear more about her beautiful business. Hello, Chupi. I mean, I can't believe that I'm getting to actually see your face. This is the nearest we've been to 3D, hasn't it? Over the years that we've known each other on every form of written communication. We've, this is the first time we get to see each it's other. so glorious, Holly. Hopefully one day soon we'll be sitting having tea, coffee and cake and actually catching up. But this is a lovely way to start. Oh, it's so fantastic. And today we're going to talk about why you feel it's important to support independently owned businesses. But before we get into that, as you probably know, one of my greatest passions in life is jewellery. I mean, it is literally an absolute obsession. Tell me where your love of jewellery began. I have so many reasons about why jewellery became part of my life. But the reason I started 2 and became a jeweller was my engagement ring. So I actually, my mum is one of the leading feminists in Ireland, one of the women who like did fought for contraception and all of those huge things. So I was really brought up that thinking that marriage wasn't that big a deal. And so when I met my amazing husband, Brian, when we were 16, he told me he was going to marry me within two weeks. Oh he, my goodness. It was so romantic. And I was like, don't be ridiculous. Marriage is an institution of the patriarchy. I'm not sure I ever want to get married. And 10 years later, when he got down on one knee in, in Montpellier in the south of France by a fountain at midnight, it was ridiculous. Like he literally, it was the most beautiful proposal. And he gave me my engagement ring. It was recycled gold with a grey diamond made for this gorgeous girl in New York. And I remember thinking, I own a piece of the future. I just remember thinking my daughter will wear this one day and her daughter and her daughter. And I just thought, yeah, I want to make pieces of the future. You know what? I've never, ever heard that, ever. Yeah. It is such a beautiful way of looking at jewellery. The reason I love jewellery, I suppose, and I know that this is important to you as well, is that I use it to sort of mark milestone moments. Absolutely. I think back to Not in the High Street and every deal that we did that nearly killed me off. I bought a piece of 
jewellery to mark that moment. And I know that your brand celebrates that, that, you know, empowering women to buy their own diamonds. Tell me about how you've made that part of your brand. I think it's such an important thing. We're the first generation of women to buy our own diamonds. It used to be that you were bought your engagement ring, bought your wedding band, bought your eternity, bought the diamond studs, bought the necklace. But for us as a generation, we work. We work in the home. We work outside the home. We have all these huge moments. And actually for Chupi, we do we do so many beautiful engagements, so many beautiful weddings, but actually we do quite a lot of divorces. We do lots of promotions, lots of milestones, people who've had their baby and are celebrating, but people who haven't had their baby yet or people who've come out of the relationship they didn't want to be in that diamonds mark so many more you know it used to be about love and actually it's about empowerment because jewelry is like a passport into the future a piece of the past I want to be sitting there when I'm 90 wearing those pieces that remind me of the past sitting there telling outrageous stories of like that's the promotion I really wanted that's what I fought for I made myself an emerald for celebrating 10 years in design and it's the most outrageous stone and I was like I want to I'm going to be sitting there when I'm 90 telling my grandchildren about what that moment looked like in time what it felt like and it's like nothing else in that you know the other things we buy fade but jewelry is eternal gosh that's such a great way of looking at it because also potentially in you know the latter years there would be all these things that would be passed yeah. down now i think to myself what am i passing down to harry right Absolutely. he does not want my mac <laughs> or my you know and I, it feels very you know of course there's memories and photographs and things that from my past but actually i don't think we live in that world anymore so whoever will receive my jewelry this is the hugest part of what i can pass on to someone well heirlooms have changed a lot if you think from generation mm. to generation like when my grandmother um passed I remember like she you know her portrait was left her grandfather clock you know her favorite mahogany chair and there were all these beautiful things I'm not sure anyone wants my Ikea table or even my super yeah. funky mango and brass wood table I'm not sure it's going to translate in a hundred years whereas yeah I love that and I guess I I feel really lucky so at Chupi that I get to hear people's stories. That I think was the game changer for me. So we are nearly 10 years old and social media has been this phenomenal thing where I'm connected with all over the world with hundreds of thousands of people who've bought something from us, who've fallen in love with it and I get to hear their stories. And so I started out, it was for me, for my story, for the idea of love. And actually what it turned into was all these other moments. So we actually have a channel we use Slack on the team. And so we are always just sharing people's love stories. So we say we're in the business of hope, not in the business yes. of love. And all these stories of why, I, like it's the most amazing thing to be part of, to get to be part of those moments and to make something that celebrate those moments. So where did it all start? So it started at that fountain, you know, it started with the yeah. engagement, but you then decided I'm going to become a young female Irish founder. Tell me about that beginning year Oh my gosh. I always think, you know, you look back, my mum puts it really well. Mum always says that we're an overnight success that took 13 years. <laughs> I think like for, yeah. ev for every founder, when you look back on the story, so today we're a multi-award winning, multi-million euro business that has 64 people on the team in 67 countries. It's funny when I talk about it, it always sounds like it, it happened overnight. Actually, it was, yeah, nearly 13 years ago that I was at that fountain that Brian proposed, that I fell in love with it. And that journey in, to becoming a jeweler, to learning about goldsmithing, to finding Ireland has such an incredible history of craft, to finding all these, and we make everything we make is made in Ireland. So we made 10,000 diamond pieces last year. Finding all that mm -hmm. and building the team was a slow road. I always would say that 
Those are the first year of just me. And it was we, I always said we, a good green screen, even if it was me in our spare room. So I, I managed to convince Brian that, um, I'm not convinced him, bring him with me on the journey that I would quit my job and start a company with the goal that one day it would be a, a huge brand. I, I remember Holly, actually, a friend of mine saying to me, he was like, Toop, everyone calls me Toop. He was like, you know that loads of people make jewellery. And I was like, I, I do, James. And he's like, <laughs> I just don't know if it's a good idea. Like there's loads of other jewellery people out there. And I was like, I know, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do something special, I promise. And I guess I really strongly felt that the worst thing that would happen would be I'd fail. And if mm. I failed, I'd get up and go again. And so I gave yes. myself five years. You know, the, the stat is really shocking. It's something like 95% of businesses fail in the first five years. And I remember standing on our, the end of our fifth year thinking, I did it. Like, it's not perfect, Aww. but we, we made it because it was very, yeah. very tough, especially those first five years. Yeah, it is, isn't it? And I think that that's, you know, one of the reflections when writing my book, I was thinking about it can be painted as a picture. Well, it, 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 because, we're, by the way, that's the job that we do, right? We have to act bigger than we are in the beginning, right? It's, it's just one of you yeah. and you ha make up all the names of the people working <laughs> yeah. for you, but they're not really, they're the cat, the dog and whatever. <laughs> and you, you give this illusion and you have yeah. to continuously, continuously be the biggest flame for your business. And so I think it's such an interesting thing that you say it took five years. You know, you were there by the skin of your teeth, but you stood there on that finish line of five years and you went, okay, I'm not what part of that statistic. Yeah. I think it was a really huge, and I think, I guess, um, so I mentor a lot of brilliant young entrepreneurs now and, and not so young, brilliant people who are starting their businesses, who have a burning passion. And I always think there's such a falsehood about it, like entrepreneurship, that there's a money tree out there. First of all, that there's funding everywhere, that you just have to go and unlock the little button and then money comes. We bootstrapped. So every single, I remember selling enough jewellery to be able to afford a printer. I remember um, joining not in the high street and starting to make that first three or 400 quid a week. And we were able to afford to, we, I was able to afford to employ oh, my, my very goodness. first person for a day and a half a week. And all that it meant was literally they were able to pack the boxes. So I would make the things and they would pack the boxes and send them. And it just I was. I can't believe that we're honestly, part of that yeah, history. A game changer. And that at each stage, because we'd, I'd had this vision for scale. I knew that everything would have to go back in. I didn't get paid. I started getting paid. March 2017 was the first time I drew a salary out of the business. Before that, I was on less than minimum wage, which was, I remember my um, accountant sitting me down and telling me in the first few years, he was like, you would actually be better off from welfare. And I was like, bear with me. I have a vision. I have we're, a plan. We're going to get there. But that plan, um, I guess, Holly, I always think that you need a dream, but you also need a plan. And those two things have to sit side by side. So often we tell our entrepreneurs, either they've got beautiful, beautiful, perfect business plans, but not enough vision to get them over the days where nothing sells and nothing works and everything breaks and everything fails, or they just have the dream and no plan. And it's like, you need them both running side by side in order to, to get where you're going. I love this idea. And I can imagine that you're an amazing mentor. Tell me how you're empowering that next generation of female founder, because you touched on the fact that your mother was a founding member of the Irish women's movement. So this must be a huge part of your life, as you said, you know, took you 10 years to get married and all that. How, what are you doing to pass it on? I think starting with passing it on, because I think for me, when I was starting out, I was so afraid. I was so uniquely convinced that I hadn't figured it out and that there was a course and a path that everyone else knew about, that everyone else had gone and done their MBA. And I was starting from scratch. 
scratch and for me leaning into that support network so there's some phenomenal women-led networks in Ireland there's going for growth there's network Ireland these amazing groups that I then joined and I got this you know phenomenal support and mentorship and friendship and you know I've always called it the board you can't afford yeah, that I you know, love that idea of basically a group of I women. I love that. Oh, I love it. It's someone else's. And I've always loved the concept of essentially a group of women who will hold you to account, who will pick you up when you're down, who will call you out on your nonsense. And so that mentoring meant so much to me. So I, I would always say for Growing GP, that one to three people was relatively easy. You know, that was a friend that was like borrowing, beg, borrow, steal and get it going. And three to 10 nearly killed me because there was no path. There was no support, no network, no roadmap to grow a business from three to 10 people, particularly particularly in luxury and particularly in craft, which ultimately we were back then, but we are very much focused on craftsmanship mm-hmm. and gold and luxury. Mm-hmm. And so that network helped me. So today I get to give back. I get to, hopefully, I really, so I'm part of this wonderful network called Going for Growth and it's a female-led network. And we are basically, Paula Fitzsimons who runs it, we're trying to create the next generation of female entrepreneurs who are going to run big businesses. So the goal is let's just not as women think about building a business. Let's think about building and scaling. Let's grow. Women tend Mm. to want to employ themselves and maybe one or two others. But what Mm. does it look like if each of us employed five, 10, 50, 500, you know, growing Mm. businesses at scale. And so it's, it's really exciting. I feel really honored to be there. We talk a lot about the sort of good life and having a business that is and allowing you to live your life, right? So we talk about picking up the kids sure. or yeah. working till midnight or going to whatever you need to do in the morning. And, and it, that's absolutely fine. But there is also a notion that potentially maybe someone mistake the good life for small, right? Because actually, I totally am with you. I'm very ambitious for Holly & Co. was very ambitious with Not on the High Street. Didn't quite get the good life with Not on the High Street, but certainly nailing it more now. That actually, that means that you have to clip your wings. But would you say that scaling your business and still with the premises of loving what you do, living a good life, being in control, you can marry the two now in the way that you're planning? I think so. Yes. And like, I guess for me, because I always knew I wanted to scale, that's where we were going. That's what really, really excited me. But I think so often we clip our own wings and we mistake hustle for happiness. We're like, I'm working really, 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 really hard. And then actually when you get people, so one, one thing I always ask everyone to do is to do an organizational chart for their business. Mm. So so for me, I'm always looking at Chupi because we are, we're 64 people, um, but our goal is 150 and we are going mm. to, you know, like we have huge ambition for GP. I'm nowhere near done. I, when we got to five years, I just went, okay, that mountain, next mountain. Yes. And so I'm yes. always looking at that. I have a brilliant board, a brilliant leadership team that sits alongside me, an absolutely phenomenal team. But what I always do is I look at our organizational chart. And back then I, I drew this little chart with me, me going, okay, well, what needs to get done in my business? I put myself under all the things I wanted to do. And then I thought, how can I get help in the things I don't want to do? So one of the very first people I ever outsourced to was a bookkeeper. Now Mm. our phenomenal, amazing in-house financial controller, because I recognized that I wasn't good at it. And I think so often it's almost fear why we don't grow. We go, oh, but... I have to pack the boxes because I do the bows just right or I have to list the things on the website or I have to take the photographs but actually the rule is if someone can do it 80% as well as you can then get them in yes yeah leave it to them and get the support grow let go with love yeah that's the thing 
Well, let's go back to what you do as a jeweler, because actually, you know, you were one of the first to go digital. You, you know, you've thrived in the pandemic, offering virtual ring appointments. You've um, have your amazing flagship store in Dublin, and it's recently reopened. Thank yeah. goodness, with from the pandemic. <laughs> um, tell me about this idea, because I know someone once said to you, "You can't sell diamonds online." Right. And, and and now you're going into lab grown diamonds. So tell me about this journey. I think it's just that, like, again, it's that ambition piece because I always knew we wanted big. And I, I really remember 10 years ago being told you can't sell diamond rings online. Don't be ridiculous. Everyone wants to walk in store. You need to meet mm. the consultant. You need to try them on. You need to. We sell uh, ring diamond, beautiful diamond rings every single minute of the day all over the world into 67 countries to people who have never seen them in real life, people who've never touched them. And I actually think as a female entrepreneur, as a company in a very tiny island on the edge of Europe for Ireland, also true of the UK, we, in terms of access to a global market, particularly in a pandemic, digital is a game changer. It's the, like, I've worked for myself since I was 16. And so I'm 37, so it's 20 years. And to think that very first company, we didn't have social media. But now, thanks yeah. to the, like, honestly. I mean. If you think we, about it. I mean, yes, exactly. How did we survive? You know, how did, did we survive? You know? An ad in the newspaper. Like, here is like, here, look at the pretty Leaflets. rings. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Don't. Actual flashbacks. I, <laughs> so if you think about that, the power of social means that. So for us, last year, um, we've always been digital first. We launched to be to be digital first because we knew, I knew happiness meant being in Ireland. I meant, knew it meant being here. I love travel to a certain extent, but I don't want to spend my life on a plane. And I knew that I could grow a business locally. I live in Dublin city. I'm like about a mile and a half from the city centre. I can walk to my studio. The sea is 15 minutes away. The mountains are 15 minutes away. And I just thought, I want to build a beautiful business here, a beautiful life that's worth having. And so to do that, we need to be global. And that's for all of us. I think all small businesses, we need to think globally so that we aren't attached to our local markets because there are changes and fluctuations. And ultimately, then as a designer, you're always thinking if 100 people are in the room and I, I, I make, I hope, beautiful jewellery. But still, if there's 100 people in the room, only maybe I only need to talk to four or five of them. I don't need to talk to the 100. You know, you only need to talk to the people who love what you love. Digital helps you do that. Social media helps you do that. And then for us, we've always had that digital first, but COVID, yeah, it kicked us on. Definitely the pandemic. We had, uh, we launched into 2020 with a beautiful plan for the next three years. We knew exactly where we were going. We had our pop-up shop opening in New York in March 21. Everything was on track. And then the world uh, shut down in March 2020. And how has this been in terms of your business? Because as I mentioned, you're now offering lab-grown diamonds that are fully carbon neutral and sustainable. You've opened up your shop again. And I'm assuming that still high street presence is important to you. How have things changed in your mind, you know, this innovation aspect during this time? Well, it was so all of that innovation was, you know, on our roadmap for the three years and how we were going mm -hmm. to achieve it. And as we walked out the door of the studio on um, Friday the 13th, ironically, we went, OK, I remember our, I always think our digital digital marketing manager would always stick with me. She said, we've been telling people for years we're digital first. We're going to have to prove it. And so we went and delivered virtual appointments. So from anywhere in the world, you can now call in, book an appointment with one of our consultants. It means that we delivered lab-grown, carbon-neutral lab-grown diamonds that are grown from a seed of a natural diamond. 
So obviously wow. sustainability has always been hugely part of what we do, but uh, that acceleration to, to deliver that innovation, we've augmented reality coming. So you're going to be able to take a photograph of your hand and try on all your cheapy stack with your rings. So say you've got a gorgeous engagement and wedding, but you're thinking about a cheapy eternity. Using augmented reality, take the photo and do the stack. And so it's pushed a huge amount of innovation. But I, physical retail, yeah, there'll always be a magic to it. Whilst the New York pop-up was obviously deferred, whilst the world is shut down, we are going to go back. We're looking, we're going to be in California and New York in 22 and 23, because there's a magic about, we always think about it like our beautiful store is like a gallery. You know, it's like, mm. it's huge. We've got, so we've got nearly 2,000 square feet in a beautiful old Georgian centre just off uh, the Grafton Street, which is the main shopping street in Dublin. And so people come through just for inspiration, come look at the yes. beautiful spaces, you know, like there's nothing nicer. And that's nicer. the beauty, isn't yeah. it? That of is indie the thing retail. about, and why, and why the, um, you know, we think about clicks and mortar. It's yeah. this idea of the future now. And I just did an IGTV live about it, which was, there isn't, anything like that mix no. you know you go digital to find all your cheapy fans all over the world who yeah. don't know about you but then give them those little hot spots that they can go to to feel the brand to yeah. touch the brand to do you know what I mean? and I think that is going to be a really exciting part of development that we'll see in brands I think it's so exciting and I think just changing how you think about retail like it's really funny our, our team are always laughing so when the store is open people will walk in try on their diamonds choose all their pieces get all their sizes and then go amazing and then go and order at home and they'll order from the comfort of their own sofa because that's kind of, we've changed the way we shop. Now, sometimes people browse online and, and definitely buy in store, but our job is no longer to think about our shops as being transactional. It's to think about them as inspirational galleries, as hubs, mm. as creativity, as, you know, it's so much more. If you're going to get me off my sofa, out of my leggings on a Saturday afternoon, what are you going to offer to inspire me? Well, I'm not just going to come through to have a boring experience with a bored shop assistant. I want you to excite, inspire, educate everything. I'm looking for so much more. I want to transport myself right now to off Grafton Street. Um, you know, Frank's Irish, and so we we come over. And so I'm actually coming over in August. So I would absolutely oh love, love. Okay, we Can have to. We? It's a date. It's a date. Okay, hundred oh, percent. Afternoon tea and I the would trip to the store. Because you know. Ireland, I can tell, you know, even in your hotspots all over the world that you'll be creating these things, you're going to be bringing a bit of Ireland with you. You know, that's what one of the things. Tell me about that locality, because again, with Campaign Shop Independent, it's, it's about the fact that we're trying to tell people, fine, buy for Christmas, okay? Great yeah. that you supported it in a pandemic. We need you every day, you know, every day. And your locality, that the fact you're in Dublin, in Ireland... How important is that as part of your brand? So my dad is English and my mum is Irish, but I was brought up here in Wicklow, which is the Garden of Ireland. It's like ridiculous. It's, and it's very much an Irish garden. It's wild and beautiful. And home is so important to me because I always think local is such an interesting thing. And I so often think when we challenge people to shop local, they're like, oh, but I can't get X in my local town. But actually we need to broaden our sense of local and make it like almost it's about buying from people you believe in, buying from brands mm. you believe in. Because if we aren't all to end up with the Amazonization of the world and the Ebayification, where we end up with there are two giant marketplaces upon which everything is sold and everything is made in far off countries where you can't control workers' rights or any of those things. We need to think about the who and the why and what are you buying and how you buy it. And I think for me, 
I try and shop really consciously. So I still shop. I love buying things. It's deeply unsustainable, but I love, but I'm trying to think, oh my God, I really love that. I really love that beautiful dress. I'm going to buy that dress from that gorgeous woman. And that's, I think, mm-hmm. what's amazing about social media is you're so connected with people's whys, you know, hearing yes. my story and being like, that is such a beautiful dress. And I'm going to be part of her story. I know Fable Heart who you would know well, who are the most gorgeous makers based up in Northern Ireland. And they make tiny little, like it's my daughter, Aya. It's her first birthday in a few weeks. And I've got her little gold sequin. Oh, like... She has a gold I mean, little sequin crown. A You've been gold waiting a whole month. year to buy that, Honestly, you? I actually have to confess and say I bought it five months ago because I was so excited. I was so over the top. But getting to be part of Claire's story of hearing her why of her beautiful daughters mm. and her family and how everything is made. And it's actually, they're a Northern Irish brand, but they make in Spain because her husband is Spanish. Getting to hear that love story and getting to fall in love with it for us. I think everything's made in Ireland, but it's not made in Dublin. So some of our makers are in Wicklow in the mountains. So we actually shot this whole campaign called Made With Love. And we got to meet some of our amazing, make, you know, this is Lukas. Yeah. He's our goldsmith. He lives in the Wicklow Mountains. Here he is with his beautiful wife. And it's about thinking about telling the story of why. And then for us yes. as customers, asking for those stories, not just a, like a green wash or a local wash where it's like, yeah, shop locally, as in buy something that was made in China, but you're buying it in your local town. Actually seek out the people who are making and doing and creating. I could listen to you all day long. I'm going to ask these questions. I'm asking each person I interview the same question. So what does it mean to you when someone votes with their money? This is what our campaign is about and buys a piece of jewellery from Chupi supporting your small business. I still have the Shopify notifications turned on my phone for every single order. I've had to mute the noise because we it, it happens so frequently, but I look at every single order. You know that meme that says every yes. time you shop from a small business, yep. someone does a happy dance? I am still like so excited to look at every single order and look at the person so we're 11 a.m in dublin right now and there was a guy in store earlier buying his engagement ring with his sister so he's been planning the proposal since the pandemic happened but he hasn't seen her since (gasps) he hasn't seen so he brought his sister in to do the choosing and just getting and i saw his order come in and then hearing his story best feeling in the world yeah this is it this is it and so tell me what are your favorite small businesses that you might want to give a shout out to on this podcast and who you want to support there are some incredible ones so obviously fable heart i adore what they do they make the most beautiful kids pieces i am lucky to champion some phenomenal food businesses as well this white masu who just who are making the most gorgeous um chilies relishes and nigella lawson just went and bought something of theirs literally bought went into a shop bought it fell in love with it and wrote the most amazing post about them i'm so proud i've got lismore foods who make the best honestly the best hot chocolate actually holly i'm gonna get some for you in august the best hot chocolate in the entire world oh yes please i have some gorgeous absolutely phenomenal guys that are just nut cheddar doing the most beautiful chili harissa nut butter just like absolutely mm. game changer and those are just a few of those amazing businesses that I get to sit alongside I honestly it's actually something we are doing at the moment is writing a guide to shopping locally in, in Ireland so it's just well something done. and actually it's an interesting one it's something that we started doing so for International Women's Day we really thought as a brand and as a business how could we 
support women, support our community. And with Black Lives Matter, we all talked about handing over the mic and what we could do. So what we asked, we went out to our community and said, we want to champion and share your businesses. So we're doing a monthly feature now where we talk about the businesses in our community, all these amazing women entrepreneurs who are starting their businesses and trying to give them access to our community and our platform and sharing them. And that's been so amazing for me because I've fallen in love with Bees of Honey who make these beautiful shea butters in Dublin. And I've got to fall in love with all of these small businesses, this amazing flower we use in LA it's been phenomenal can, can yeah. you believe that this is our job honestly it, like the best job in the whole world Isn't right it? like I'm, I'm yeah Brian's <laughs> always teasing he's like is that another package I'm like Brian I am supporting local and like buying from all these amazing women entrepreneurs and, and I think remembering we so often think you know because uh, so much of shopping is commodity like it's like oh I need you know shoot I have to go and get you know the baby's going out to the clothes I need to go and buy more clothes or I have to get a present for someone but if you can go a little bit more slowly and think okay I know it's my nephew's birthday in a month what can I how can I get them something that's going to support a little business you you make two people happy Jeff Bezos does not need our money he doesn't need our money. He does not. And everybody does who runs a small business. And that is the thing. That's the message here. Campaign Shop Independent is about how can we vote with our money every day, make a conscious decision. If we can do it every day, the change that we could actually create, us people, not waiting for the government, not waiting for councils, what we can do is super powerful and actually talking to you is super powerful. My God, you are a Irish rocket. That is what you are. And I cannot wait to now see you in actual 3D in oh August where can we can imagine? have cake and this hot chocolate. I'll hold you Honestly, to it. Honestly, best hot chocolate um, ever. But bless you. Thank you so much for your time today, GP. Thank My you. My absolute pleasure. And Holly, thank you for everything you do, everything you did for us to champion us as a tiny business oh. and all of the dreams you're helping build. Oh, bless you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Did you know that if every adult spent just one additional pound with small businesses each day this year, a huge £19 billion would be pumped into our communities? So it's why this summer, for Campaign Shop Independent, I'm calling on everyone to join us on the 25th of June for the first ever official Shop Independent Day and to vote with their money for the kind of world that they want to live in. All month, I'll be shouting from the rooftops about why and crucially how you can get involved and help me spread the message and join the campaign. To download your very own free marketing kit filled with exclusive artwork and insights, head to holly.co slash campaign. Next, I'm speaking to one of my newest and dearest pen pals and creative super force, Laura Wellington. I've been a fan of hers since discovering she was the woman behind the posters for the people with her street art project In Good Company, in which some of the UK's best artists created artwork to thank the NHS during the pandemic. Laura is a serial entrepreneur founding many businesses and art projects, as well as In Good Company. She's co-founded Duke Studios, a creative workspace, Duke Makes, as well as Chief Street, a cafe bar and a multifunctional event space, and also has her own design business too, Laura Wellington Designs, in which she sells her own interior products. Based in Leeds and a passionate supporter of local Leeds small businesses, makers and artists, I just knew I had to chat to Laura in this campaign shop independent special. 
Hi, Laura. This is just so lovely to be with you, to see your gorgeous face, your amazing hair, your colourful background. Um, I wanted to kick this off by firstly welcoming you. Lovely to see you. Nice to see you too. We're, well, we're pen pals, but there's one (laughs) pen pal who's the really poor relation. Uh, Anyone can guess who that is. Um, But, you know, you've got this energy when we met, like I just was drawn to you. Tell me where you get that from and what drives you to create so much. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's a million ideas in your head and actually you've executed many of them. Uh, It all comes from the love of people, community, helping people, making things happen. My brain kind of works a little bit like designer, part town planner, part positive disruptor, part, 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 part. There's many kind of parts in that, hyphens in in that brain. But I think it's all for the love of the place that we're at in Leeds, uh, the community, doing good stuff. I'm a starter, so I have a business partner, in uh, a life and business partner, James. He's the one that actually keeps everything running and going. I have a vision, really, and I think it comes back to the town planner part. I think it's just the want and the need to make more of a European destination city mm. in Leeds. And also uh, to ensure that all of the people that are here and that have been doing good stuff don't get priced out and have a space and a place and and are represented. I think it kind of comes back to my Scottish Welsh roots, my Welsh Mm -hmm. grandma, basically. It just wants to love and look after everybody. And I think that we do not go to Barcelona to go to Zara. And so that we need to ensure that all of our cities are of the city. Mm-hmm. And I'm massively passionate about it. I'm like a mini yeah. room, basically. Wow, my goodness. <laughs> when, you, when you say town planning, it does something to me. Yeah. Like, I just feel <laughs> like it is my, if I had another life, that is what I would be doing. I mean, Duke Studios and Sheaf Street is basically, you've created this co-working space, event space, bar. And I was just looking at your website just before we jumped on and it's seriously cool. And I want to basically come and work there because mm-hmm. I love what you do. I mean, there's not only the bacon butties, fresco meeting spaces, you've got coffee on tap, a bar. And your motto though, what I love is people first, business second. Mm-hmm. And everything is beautifully designed around your people. Of course, by the way, you won co-working space of the year and one of the 12 best co-working spaces in the world by <laughs> USA Today. I mean, I <laughs> how sodding cool is that? I mean, tell me more about where the idea of Duke Studios came from. So I did design as in product design in university. And I, as part of my dissertation, I noticed that the architects were clustering down at the riverside but they weren't actually kind of clustering in one building and then I started to kind of look at kind of the co-working model and so I part um hypothetically wrote this the model for Duke Studios as part of my dissertation in 2008 and it wasn't until uh, I had a light um that went into Habitat and sold worldwide. And then that gave me the confidence to then kind of go, okay, I can do this. I thought that was going to be the making of me. Obviously it wasn't. Uh, Then I managed to convince James to leave the police and he was running his own business. He's a photographer in the evening. And then we just got started really. Um, But everything was being built by us. We've, in the beginning, which is our 10 year birthday next week. So we've been going through the archives and, you know, our friends and family came into the painting party and, and we noticed that in Leeds, there was a creative scene, but everybody was complaining. Everybody was wanting to go to Manchester or London or wherever. 
And so I, first of all, was like, okay, let's go somewhere else. And then James was like, no, we need to stay. You can't complain. You need to stay and build. And it's one of the best things, really. Mm. I'm a I'm a grass is always greener person. And mm-hmm. so me and James are perfect as yin and yang. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, and we then noticed, again, it was about talent retention for the graduates. There's loads of good universities here. Yeah. It was about uh, bringing the creative community together, being stronger together. And the ethos, the vision and the values on our website was written 10 years ago. It's not changed. It's not been updated. Those are the things that we live by. It's interesting because we kind of started co-working before co-working was cool and then now in the last five years it's omnipresent there's more and more spaces popping up everywhere co-working is going to become more and more and more and more important um I think it's about work-life integration rather than work-life balance which has always been our way really but that's because we love what we do I think a lot of people really need to get out of their houses there's been an advertising campaign for quite a big company that said It's time to bring back the house being your home. Mm. And I think that is really important because I love my house and I love my work and I've got this amazing place that I can go work, but I feel like I've kind of got stuck. (laughs) It's easier to come downstairs and get straight on the computer and sit in my pajamas longer than I should and all those kind of things. And it's, it's hard to, you know, the reason, another reason why Duke was started is because I was making lights out of my spare bedroom and it feels like a leap and a jump to kind of go and work from a co-working space. But actually you don't get more work from your dishwasher. Yes. <laughs> you don't pick up more tips from your cat. You know, you're going to naturally, it feels like an outlay and it sometimes when you're at the beginning, it feels like risky. And a co-working space is the best way to get into that because it's usually the cheapest entry mm-hmm. to be able to work in a space. We have a lot of people that grow up from uh, co-working to desk to studio spaces and they grow up and grow out. We've had people that have been with us since the beginning, 10 years. Of, wow. You know, and so and it's also a, it's a safe place and it's a place where people look after each other as well. And I think choosing a co-working space is a bit like choosing a therapist, <laughs> Not all of them are going to be right for you. Uh, We very much are just for creative or creators. You know, there'll be some places maybe that you'll go to and there'll be like a recruitment consultant sitting, drinking a protein shake and talking very loudly. (laughs) You know, but maybe just that co-working space isn't for you. So try around... Find your way um, and just try and find your tribe and your community. Yeah, I love that. I mean, your dishwasher and your cat doesn't (laughs) help you thrive, does it? And we've obviously got Campaign Shop Independent um, and it has been transformative when I think about the ideas that we came up with together, the electricity Mm -hmm. that was created, the idea sort of from one person to another and then what happens when you merge them. You can only do it in person. And then we keep saying, imagine doing that on a Zoom. (laughs) And we just freak out because it's so painful. But you do, do none of us have realised what this 2D form of communication has done to us because it's just an an amazing shift for all of us and now it's going to be about how we blend it yeah but but tell me what's the best bit about living in Leeds and um, because you're originally as you said from Wales Swansea girl yeah my mother would love if I went back to Swansea and do what I did in Swansea there um my gosh Leeds is so on the kind of going back to the let's move to London, one of the things that James said was you can be a bigger fish in a smaller pond. And so you can make, you can, just by doing something little, you can make a massive change. And 
Leeds is a 20 minute city. It's a city on the on the rise. I think it has this kind of like underdog um, mentality. So there's a lot of DIY. There's a lot of really good people doing things. There's a lot of people that support each other. And it feels like it has that beginnings, of, which sounds weird because it feels like it's had the beginnings of the last 10 years. But I think I was talking to somebody yesterday about how the feelings of beginnings all the time isn't a bad thing. Yeah. Oh, I love that. You know, it's like, yeah, you're always learning. You're always changing. There's always new things coming. It doesn't ever feel like it's quite found its thing. But I'm like, well, does it need a thing? Why can't we just be what we are and be, you know, shouting? Everyone says Leeds uh, hides itself under a bushel and then someone hides the bushel. <laughs> <laughs> and in some ways, you also don't really want the marketing people to sell it too massively because then all our rents are going to go up and everything. So it's a kind of fine line between the two, but it has a spirit and it has an energy. And the thing that I said, whenever I've done lots of things over the years on boards, et cetera, et cetera, boring, trying to make change in very slow ways. And I was like, why can't the message just be, we just can't put our finger on it. We're not sure what that is. You know, it's special, but we just can't pigeonhole it. And that's the magic. And that's the reason why you need to come and see and be. Yeah, well, people don't understand that, you yeah. see, Laura. They don't understand <laughs> that. That, you know, when you tell the the suit or the left side of the brain, you know, they want to pigeonhole it. They need yeah. to put it down into an Excel, into a cell that has a formula because yeah. basically they want to be able to recreate it you know yeah, they can only understand exactly. equations yeah. right so that is the only thing they understand whereas actually and many times in my career I've been trying to say but you know it's the energy ball mm -hmm. I always I looked at it um th th obviously this freaked them completely out <laughs> um you know I looked at it as a sort of life force you know yep. it was almost something in um Steven Spielberg would have done a film about it you know someone holding a life force in their hands and it's yep. like how can you put an equation on this. This is the yeah. energy in our businesses. It's the energy maybe we find in cities, like you said, in Leeds. Mm -hmm. Isn't it just about keeping the energy force alive? It's about empowering it and enabling it and making it grow and I think trusting it. And I think it's, I'm getting goosebumps here. This is, yeah, I, yeah. because I love it. It makes me so excited. Do you know when you're like, gosh, it's just that thing of people and energy and human beings doing things. I understand why people are so obsessed with trying to put the KPIs or the thing, or all these kind of things. I think it's just more kind of why can't we make an amazing place for people to live, work mm. and play? Mm. And why can't we, you know, look after everybody? And why can't mm. we be gentler? And why can't it just be a good life? <laughs> but you know what? I also think that the two things can really need to coexist because it's not yeah. about not having one and only having no, another. No, no, it's, it's both it is, and. It's, yeah. it's both and. It's yeah. the and. And that is the thing of this can't be touched. This is this is magical. This is yeah. what actually the human, what, you know, let's put an Excel spreadsheet together about what love is. Yeah. Well, you can't. What is, what is love? Yeah. So that's what we've got to look after. And then what we can do is put structure and processes to sort of protect it. Yeah. Um, but we can't delve too strongly into it. I mean, I could talk to you. All I know, day gosh, about this. me and you. Listen, I was like, hey, oh, we're going to go. Oh, we're going off on one. Listen, I'm heading your way on the, camp uh, on the campaign trail and I cannot wait to pop into you. Oh my gosh. Toot, toot. Yep. Um, I'd love to talk to you, though, about your art project, Posters for the People, mm -hmm. which is how I actually came to know you because I remember my sister showing me your billboards with Morag Myerscough and Rebecca Strickson posters everywhere and slogans such as 
our superheroes love you and essentially amazing thank you. The, the, the team were literally going nuts that I saw this. And I was like, what's it? And then I saw it and I just was blown away. And you also created gin with uh, Rebecca's artwork from yeah. um, Folklore Distillery, which yeah. is so clever. I bought many bottles. I've given them as presents. <laughs> and then recently, your magnificent art installation with Anthony Burrell, which you, uh, you you have this most hugest, largest mural. Everyone needs to look this up. And based on the side of historic canal side building with you, me, me, you all over it. And I think it's the best thing of the year <laughs> by far. Tell me where this idea in Good Company came about and these projects, yeah. because you are one connected lady. So, um, I've, got, I've got goosebumps. It gives, honestly, the art and the love and the thank yous and the thing, it's just like for an empath, it's like the best thing in the world for a Welsh nana to tell everybody that they are thanked. Um so basically, Inga Company was formalised just in 2019 and it was a formalisation of 10 years of work which I'd been basically doing for the city on those boards, trying to make slow change. And what I realised was that when people pay for art, when they commission art, they uh, want to have a decision-making in that process. Uh, well, not everybody, but this, the yeah. things, the people I had experience of. And that's not what it's about. It's not about design by... Um, Committee. Committee, yeah. It's about an artist being an artist. Um, and so I have an incredible landlord, uh, King & Co, and they bought a building and asked me if I would look at the inside and the outside for them because I do a bit of interior design as well. And um, so it started there with the Penfold building and then I did a barge and then it kind of formalised and it was this thing of kind of just going, and I think it comes with age, Harley. I think it comes with confidence. I think it comes with like... I don't have to do this. I do this because I want to do it and I'm passionate about it and I want to bring more colour, art and joy to the streets. And um, that kind of thing of going, right, you're going to pay for the art. I'm going to decide who's going to be the artist. You're going to have no decision making and you're just going to have to trust me. And that is not that easy, it turns <laughs> <Damn>. out. <laughs> but King & Co completely believe in me and they trust me and I love them so much. And so when we did the Penfold building, we looked across to the gable end um, of the other building. I was like, that needs an Anthony Burrell there. Anthony Burrell studied in Leeds and then he went off and became world famous. And he's not actually got a permanent piece of his work in the city, which I thought was majorly important to have. Uh, we actually started the project in May 2019. It was due to be installed in uh, May 2020. Obviously, that got delayed. And then it was going to be launched at the end of uh, 2020. It was going to be like my Christmas present for the city. And it got delayed again. And it was as if the universe knew that we needed it more in 2021. <laughs> when we all thought we were going to be absolutely fine, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like that, me and you, you and me, me and you, you and me. We're in this together. And it basically went crazy it went all around the world it got shared Anthony said it's the most well-received project even more well-received than the work hard and be nice to people and Anthony also as part of that um, I have this thing about that the art world is very white male unfortunately and I want to um, be able to provide opportunities to people that aren't just white males. Um, but also when you're trying to convince developers to give you money to do things, they also want people who've got high profiles and blah, 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 blah. 
uh, the bit that drives me mad. So I wanted to create this pay it forward pot. And the pay it forward pot means that I've got more flexibility to be able to commission things and to make things happen, whether that's education, uh, getting people into the sector, you know, encouraging confidence and empowering people. And so the profits from the print went into the pay it forward uh, pot. So that is amazing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. This is just unbelievable. And what I just love is that those who get you are trusting you. And mm -hmm. I love that, that, the, that actually you are converting people to be able they feel safe with you do you know what I mean like I can already tell they can feel safe well, with you <laughs> not well, everybody does not a lot of people are like yeah. who is this yellow-haired Welsh <laughs> independent voiced woman coming in here telling us what to do you know what I think people that are listening are going to be so inspired with these collaborations now what would you say to anyone who's thinking, you know what, I would love to collaborate? Like, do you have any tips about how to approach this? Yeah, so collaboration is kind of, it's a bit of a hard one for me because it's kind of in my DNA. So I don't really know mm. how to uh, kind of pinpoint it down. But what I would say is collaboration is collaboration, it's co-creation. You've got to collaborate together. You've got to trust each other. Mm -hmm. You've got to actually give and take, you know. Mm -hmm. if So the magic happens actually when you don't try and one way or the other let your yeah. ego manage yeah. things. Uh, I think seeing things as ego, you know, you've got to yeah. pinpoint your ego and call it out whenever you can feel it. Can I just stop you there? That is such an important thing, isn't it? Yeah, massively. Honestly, ego for me, I've been learning about ego for the last year. And if you can just like take your ego and imagine it as a thing. Yeah. And then every time you feel that creeping yeah. of judgment or... Defensiveness. Uh, defend any of those things. Yeah. You've just got to say go, oh, it. ego. Yeah. And then it's gone. And you know what? I think what's so interesting about saying that, because I'm fascinated with ego, um, because I think that actually as entrepreneurs, you have to have ego because yeah. it is a frigging lonely road. If you do not believe in yourself, <laughs> no I mean, you're, you're, you, do you know what I mean? You're done. You, you might yeah. as well give up. So ego, I think, gets a really hard rap because we've all been around people with horrific egos, right? Yeah, and this is yeah. why ego's just being given a very bad PR press release. But actually, ego is in all of us. It is actually that life force, isn't it? It's that thing that keeps us. But if we can be in confident enough, and I think it takes confidence, doesn't it, to sit in a meeting and just pinpoint it and say, you know what? I'm sorry about what just happened there. That was my ego speaking. Yeah. I, I felt really threatened by yeah. that. But actually, I just wanted to say it out loud. How revolutionary it I is know. to everyone around you yeah. to start calling out their egos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Definitely. I think I would like to keep ego in the not so great camp. And I would mm -hmm. like to bring in bold, oh, thank boldness you. Okay. As, the, as the equivalent to that. So the bit in believing in yourself is yeah. being bold and being brave. And the ego is the bit where you're like, I'm being a yeah. dick. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes, okay, <laughs> you're right. So but, it's, it's, so, but actually then that is, in that scenario I was talking around the table, that is saying, I am being a bit of a dick here. Yeah. You know, I am, but I want to explain why. But you need to know yourself though. So I think you need to know within you who you are. Yes. To know how you work. To yes. know like, okay, what was that trigger? Why did I yeah. feel like that? And what that means self-awareness, yeah. doesn't it? And we've got quite yeah. a lot of people around us who are not self-aware. Oh my so gosh, it's, yeah. It, it can be difficult. But anyway, you were carrying on about a collaboration, right? Okay, so you were so saying about the egos. Yes. Yes. yes, so ego is a, you know, put your ego to one side. I think in some ways it's, you want to, 
pick the people who you know you're going to work well with, but then you also don't want to choose too easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also it is you, some things fail. You know, not mm-hmm. everything goes to plan. Some things take a lot of time. Years. Um, years and years and years. It depends on also what is the intention of the collaboration. Because if it's something where it's a commercial thing, then you've got to work fast and you've got to work hard and you've got to get going. You've also got to trust in those people to know that they're going to do a really good job quickly or efficiently or whatever. Or if it's a collaboration that's just for joy, then it can take a bit more time. And I think co-creation is better than collaboration as a word in terms of if you're making something in that way. Um, Liz, uh, uh, we're, we're, we're coming to the end and I need to ask you a few more questions. You know, this whole campaign that we're running, obviously campaign shop independent and it's so important and if we think about why it's so important we know that at Christmas time we will tend to Mm -hmm. go we can look for smaller businesses and we to support them in the pandemic we had our eyes opened and we went to the news agent who and the coffee shop who then became a grocer's and all these sorts of things why we've created this campaign is we need to have a reminder that actually it's about the everyday. Mm-hmm. It is literally every day we need to be supporting small. We need to be making decisions, conscious decisions to make that switch. Yeah. What do you think our listeners can do to support local communities? So can I say first and foremost, when you were talking there, I've got full head to toe body shivers. This is oh, how much I believe. I get body shivers talking to you generally, <laughs> in, Laura. I mean, but it's we, we are so, peas in the pod. Yeah, it's just so important. You know, it's that tiny dance. You know, the person who, when you make an order, a real mm. person does a dance. It's this thing that every it keeps everything local, unique, from individuals or family businesses or people that are working their asses off day and night to make something happen, that brings something different. Mm. I am sick of the same old, same old on the high street. Mm. And as much as it's really bad that jobs are going, wouldn't it be amazing if we can come back to the butcher, the maker, the candlestick, Mm. you know, what's the... Creator, yeah, exactly. It is so important. I've been watching the independents and some people saying... Oh, it's dropped off, and and yeah. you know, and it's and I think it's scary, and I and I just think if you want something that's interesting, unique, different, that comes from a human being that is really working their asses off, then we need to support independent. We need to shop small. We also need to vote with our money because, you know, if we don't want these big conglomerates taking over everything. And the landlords aren't going to be able to get those massive rents and the council aren't going to be able to get those big rates. Well, they're going to have to change. It has to mm-hmm. change. And so we, the people, need to be doing that. And I know it sounds silly when you say vote with your money, because when you first said that, I kind of was a bit like, oh, I don't, yeah, I'll just have to think about that a little minute. Mm. But it is. If yeah. we are supporting those little ones it's- and they can grow, then the big ones, hopefully... <laughs> will have to fall by the wayside. They will. And, you know, it's it's an incredible thing because, you know, I ha- have my own shop and when I think about my life without it, yeah. it is a far greyer life because mm-hmm. Me too. the people I've met, the moments I've witnessed, the, the babies, friends <laughs> the friends made, the babies that grow up into yeah. children. You know, Harriet, my right-hand woman, applied for the ad that we put a sheet of A4 paper in the window. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She's now the managing director of Holly & Co. The, the, the activity of our community, and yesterday we gave a load away to a school and it's really going to help them. It's unbelievable the power of our mm-hmm. tiny little shop. Yep. Now, you and I are 
we we've got <laughs> like we are sold, aren't we? That we yeah. know that the whole high street, if it was bustling with independence, what that does to our communities. But we have got to understand that if we do not vote with our money, no, yeah. They are going to go. And mm -hmm. actually, I am in no way going to rest on my laurels and think that the councils and the powers that be understand yeah. no, what don't. to do. They don't. No. So it is now down to us. And yes, I think that is. is the rallying cry here that, you know, Campaign Shop Independent, we've got the day, official day, Shop Independent Day, which is the 25th of June, forevermore. And it is bloody six months to Christmas, you know, <laughs> six months to Christmas. That's yeah. the point. Every single year, we're going to remind people it is six months to Christmas. Unless you spend between now and Christmas, yeah, you're yeah. not going to have these small businesses yeah, yeah. to support. You And the thing is, as well, I think that's the other bit, Holly, and I think it's that hard line where you need to be like, okay, are we going to pussyfoot around this now? No, no, we're not. We need to be smashing this home that if you do not support those people, those businesses, those places, those restaurants, those bars, they will not be there. Yeah. Now, listen, before you go, I've got two questions that I want to ask you. What does it mean to you when someone votes with their money and shops from you or another small business from your co-working space? Oh, gosh, what that is a, such a massive question. What does it mean? But it what's means, the first feeling? What's the that first? Love. You? For me, yeah. it's love and humanity and it's support and it's empowerment and it's joy and it's growing people who grow communities who look after each other. Beautiful. And tell me, what are your favourite small businesses that you want to give a shout out to, to the, on this podcast? Oh gosh, Holly, that is a hard... Okay, so I'm going to do Yeah, this. I mean, this it's, is... it's hard because it's like yeah. children, isn't it? Yeah, What's it your is favorite? like children. So I'm going to do this because this is my best friend, Michelle, and she's oh, just you're, starting you're, this company. Oh, this is what you're wearing. I love it. So Gorgeous. And so she basically has been sourcing Japanese kimonos for years and years and years. And I was with her last week and she let me into her a treasure chest. Oh, my goodness. Did you control every, yourself? Oh, my God. I, no, I was like a kid in a <laughs> sweet show. I was literally like throwing things on, trying everything. So it's spelled K-I-M-O-N-O-O-H, kimono. Right. And you can also, so these beautiful, beautiful kimonos, you can get them made shorter, you can get them made in jumpsuits, you can get them made into matching sets, you can, honest, you can okay, get well, a got... made into a bag. So she is my, right now, my, I'm backing you're, her. You're backing her. I have um, got yeah. sweaty palms. <laughs> this is a good sign. I'm coming yeah. your way. It's a very good sign. Laura, it's been an absolute pleasure. As I said, the bus is heading your way. I yep. cannot wait to see you in 3D, which yep. is just going to be unbelievable. It's not and too far away. I'm not also going far. to the Good uh, Business Festival as well. So well, I will see talking. you there. So I'm we should have a glass talk. of wine, maybe. We were, maybe or two. <laughs> <laughs> Take Perfect. care, Laura. Thank okay, you so, thank you so much. much. Thank you. You know, the thing is, talking to Chupi and Laura, I, I came off these podcast interviews with what can only, I don't know, be described as small business energy. You know, the, here are two women with actually not enough hours in the day to achieve the dreams that they're dreaming up even that week. And yet we are so privileged to be able to have social media, watch on the sidelines and watch these incredible forces build very different businesses, but small businesses that I absolutely know will be part of our future landscape. 
They are just shining examples for me of what it really is to be a small business and why we need to support these phenomenal women. So I urge you all to vote with your money and support people like Chupi and Laura. A huge thanks to Dell Technologies, NatWest and Royal Mail, our small business supporters, for joining us to bring Campaign Shop Independent to life this summer for the first time, including this very special podcast. Please join the campaign and get involved. Over the coming months, we will be sharing all the ways that you can support the campaign, including the first ever official hashtag Shop Independent Day, the 25th of June. Put it in your diaries and also you can head over to holly.co for all the latest information and finally one other ask if you have enjoyed this episode please do subscribe rate and review because each time you spread the word it empowers someone else to build their good life